Hey, welcome back to the Infamous Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. This is like take nine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> welcome to the you We know when you screwed said up like seven takes in a row. <laughs> you know, the second you said, don't say anything till you hear me talk, you I almost, had, I almost like, yeah. burst out laughing. Yeah. I almost burst out laughing. Yep. So. I know. That's why I tried to go quickly. <sighs> anyway, hey, this is episode 320. Hey, Peaches is part of the crew. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, obviously, buddy. We're, we're talking the, the final season of The Expanse, episode two. We are talking about the penultimate, good to use my word, uh, episode of Hawkeye. And then we have news bites on things like Black Panther and Kick Ass and Henry Orenstein. Orenstein. Yes. And if you don't know who he is, Daryl will explain that to all of us. Um, I got a weird like ASMR thing going on right now, don't I? Yeah, you, you do. Like, hello, Daryl. <laughs> oh, did okay. did I send you that one where the uh <laughs> the guys were in the car and the one dude leaned over and like was like daddy <laughs> and the other dude's here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then oh. I, yeah, he did. You said that. Uh, I, I thought I did. I, I I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure why I'm. I'm so quiet right now. Um, and it's not like my mic is quiet. I'm just not talking very loud. Uh Anyway, so yeah. So we got news: Black Panther, Kickass, Henry Orenstein, um, Hawkeye, The Expanse, um, Witcher started today. We're recording this on Witcher. Friday, twelve seventeen twenty one. Um, so I have watched all of 35 seconds of the first episode. I was about to say, I watched the first half of episode one and already there's a difference in some, I haven't, can't put my finger on it yet, but there's a difference about it. It seems again, halfway through this episode, yeah. more grounded in the sense of, you know, where it's going. Oh, like uh, actual, like but a again, sense of time and space. Yeah, but again, like I said, it's a half of an episode. Sure. Who knows what chicanery will happen in the remaining seven and a half yeah, episodes. I, I but I, the I, weird thing was that it's not Geralt of Rivia, it's Geralta of Rivia, and now it's not Henry Cavill playing it, it's Henrietta Cavell. So, that was strange. <laughs> I have no idea where you're going with that. Uh, I was just saying it's Netflix, so it's woke. It's probably played by a... Like, uh, <laughs> um, exploited like 14 year old anyway <laughs> um yeah so but we're going to talk about that next week along with the third episode of the expanse um and the oh, finale of yes Hawkeye. you know i i do not say this often so i'm just going to say it before we even get to hawkeye i want two more episodes that is actually very high praise from you so we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes maybe it'll be like a 68 minute episode with 13 <laughs> minutes of credits oh you're funny all right well, uh hey. black so. panther there was a bunch of black panther news this week yeah like you're in the last couple of days some of yeah, it actually this week yeah. it's all this week um so the first one was chadwick boseman's brother uh derek boseman wants Marvel to recast T'Challa. And he made an excellent point. He said, if Christopher Reeves died, they would have not not made Superman. 
you know, or when Christopher right. Reeves died, they wouldn't they wouldn't yeah. have just said, "Well, that's it for that's it for Superman." Um, and you know, I mean, the the thing is, is is he makes a great point. He said he tells Marvel he uh, in the report it says DB tells us Marvel killing off the character so quickly in the wake of Chad's Chadwick's death, they're depriving depriving black kids of a role model, and you know, there's all this push for representation on screen right and you have in black panther and you can correct me if i'm wrong but probably the most important black superhero not named static yeah that's probably fair so to say um i mean i'm, I'm he's more well known than static so i was just being a little facetious yeah. there i mean but, he's you know he's more well known than luke cage and you know, a lot of others. And again, part a major part of that is now is because of the MCU, because oh, yeah. most of these people that are lauding Black Panther had no freaking clue who that character was right. up until he showed up in Civil War. Yeah. Well, and, and anybody who was like, oh, Ta-Nehisi Coates is writing a ruining a comic book. Let me see how he ruins this comic book. Um, yeah. But no, I think... Uh, I, I think we, we need to we need to do this. Like, you know, I, I think John David Washington is sitting on the shelf right now, <laughs> just waiting. Like, hey Feige, put me in, coach. Um but yeah, I, I think it, it's a tremendous virtue signal that and it has an nothing to do with extremely short sighted one. Yeah, and, and it has nothing to do with the uh celebrating Chadwick. You know, it has nothing to do with celebrating Black Panther. It's just this weird thing that they've done for for a guy who did a really good job in the role and who had a bunch of really good movie roles, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I liked him as an actor. Seemed, seems like as far as Husks, I mean, actors go, he was a genuinely good person. You know, we, 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 we didn't... Mm -hmm. We didn't hear too much. He he went through his cancer like without making Nobody himself knew a about victim. It. He just kind of you know yeah. he he sat there and 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 fought as long as he could. And you know, um, I, I still think the Russos had the best take on Black Panther in Civil War. Yes, um, I, I think so. But I, I'm not gonna get into it. Um, we we all know my thoughts on. Um, the Black Panther movie, or what I like to call Land Aquaman, um, <laughs> but it's uh, it, it's just one of those things where like I, I don't understand it. I mean, if the family doesn't have a problem with this, I don't understand why Marvel has like dug heels in and like you know, um, this because is the problem I'll tell you. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Okay, no, no, go no, ahead. you go. Well. Okay, so this is the issue. They 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 jumped the gun, and and you know people were clamoring online, and this is why you don't listen to online knuckleheads on Twitter. Right, is because you do shit like this, and you back yourself into a corner, and now they can't really. I mean, they can obviously they can, but they don't want to because they don't want the bad Twitter press. Uh, despite the fact that, look, if you recast him, all the people that are angry, the people that actually like Black Panther and actually went to see this Black I don't mean the Twitters that talk yeah. and don't go see these movies or don't go buy these comic books. The ones that actually go see these movies, they will still go see the movie. Oh, yeah. If the, if John David Washington was in that role, let's just, you know, put, uh, you know, your, your guy, which I think he would be great. Mm. I think he would be amazing in that role. 
they would absolutely go see it. Yeah. And the thing is how short-sighted this is. So you're telling me that 15 or 20 years from now, you know, in whatever iteration this, you know, if, if, if things are going the way they are going, if, and, and, you know, as far as movies go, you, you're not going to have a Black Panther. Well, guess what? People are going to forget about chat with Bozeman. You know, and when I say people, I don't mean us necessarily. I mean, people that are three, four or five years old now, they're not going to know him mm-hmm. unless people tell them. So what you're doing is you're effectively, you're not honoring him. You're actually doing the opposite of doing that because you're not looking towards the future and how he will be forgotten as that character by a lot of people that are growing up now because there's not going to be a Black Panther, a real Black Panther, right? the T'Challa Black Panther mm-hmm. on screen. Yeah. So, like, just imagine if, if, uh, they did like like uh, his his brother said, if you know, say if for instance, if Christopher Reeve, right when they were making Superman three or before, you know, right after Superman uh, two came out, he died, and they said we're never going to make Superman right. again. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, not like yeah. I, well, I mean, because I mean, here's the thing: they're like uh, at the that investor day, which we covered in full. So we've talked about this already. Feige said, I wanted to acknowledge the devastating loss of a dear friend and member of the Marvel Studios family. Chadwick Brosman was an immensely talented actor and an inspirational individual who affected all our lives professionally and personally. His portrayal of T'Challa, the Black Panther, is iconic and transcends any iteration of the character in any other medium from Marvel's past. That's I, I disagree with that, but that's patently um, false. Yeah, that that's okay. that's another virtue signal, um, and mm-hmm. it's for that reason we will not recast the character. Um, and more recently, in November um, of this year, Marvel producer Nate Moore told The Ringer, "I'm not hedging my bets. Uh, I'm being quite honest. You will not see T'Challa in the MCU six one six universe. We couldn't do it when Chad passed." It was a real conversation we had with director Ryan Coogler. I don't understand why, whatever, about what what do we do? And it was a fast conversation. It wasn't weeks. It was minutes of we have to figure out how to move this franchise without that character. You don't have a franchise without the character. It doesn't matter who the actor is. When you have a character like T'Challa, like Iron Man, like Captain America, Winter Soldier, Falcon, Black Widow, you name it, Kate Bishop. Um, we'll talk about that. Uh, it doesn't matter who the the actor is. You yeah. cast you cast someone who can play that part. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not I'm not diminishing what Chadwick did at all. But when you have these people out here saying this, and you have the family like, hey, celebrate, celebrate our guy. You know, put put it put it back out there. Let people let people remember this. And like you get a strong actor who will who will not only like excel at the part, but like celebrate the tradition that was put in front of him. A perfect example of this is uh, Spartacus. Yes, season one. Uh, what was his Andy? Oh, man, oh. you had to say Andy, and I was getting ready to say his name. Uh. Andy Whitfield. Sorry, Andy Whitfield. Yeah, uh, I was going to say Andy Whitlock, but uh, you, yeah, Andy Whitfield. 
you know, he passes after, a, a, was it cancer or was it something yeah, else? No, he, he had, had cancer. So there's a great documentary that Jai Courtney did. Oh, it, um, um, yeah. I, there might have been tears shed I, watching that documentary. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not going to say it got dusty in the room, but I'm not yeah. going to deny that it's there might have been tears so. shed me watching that. Like, even thinking uh, about it now, that was, yeah, that was a, I mean, that was amazing, but that was a rough right, documentary. But he, to watch, he passed. But, so he got sick. He went into, he was in remission. He got sick again. They did the prequel, Gods of the Arena waiting for him to recover and then he obviously didn't and they replaced him with liam mcintyre who was a completely different actor i mean completely different look um you know again this is something that i've talked about on this podcast years ago when, when all of this went down is that he andy was it was his voice that the 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 tim timber no timber of his voice is that the right mm -hmm. word mm -hmm. um the way he was just, he was so powerful with the way he talked and he spoke and he was like, just like, you wanted to like follow, you wanted to jump into the TV and like train in the Ludus and then follow him into the arena. And then Liam was about like that look, right? He would just stare. Yeah, at he had like the piercing eyes. Stare, yeah. Like he'd stare through the TV and like, he'd be like, I'm going to hop onto the, hop onto the battlefield with the, the gladiatorial slaves and fight for the freedom of the the Romans and the or from the Roman Empire for the the Gauls and the Celts and the Africans and the Spaniards and whatnot. Um two very, very different different men. Um and and two very like just two amazing portrayals of the role. I mean hell uh Liam was like two or three inches taller than Andy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. And I, I remember when that happened, because, I, again, I wasn't watching it real time. Mm -hmm. And it took me a few episodes to, well, it took me a few episodes to get into Spartacus anyway, because, let's be honest, the first couple episodes were a little rough around the edges. But when Liam McIntyre came on, it it took me a few episodes to get used to him, because the first episode I remember watching, I'm thinking, this is not going to work right. for me. And But then I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it time. And it, you know, a couple episodes later, it, it, I, you know, just fell into his his portrayal of the character. Well, I'll tell and you they, what helped him was Gannicus, because Gannicus was yes. so over from Gods of the Arena that when they brought mm -hmm. Gannicus in to, um, you know, the back into the 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 later versions of Spart later seasons of Spartacus, that really really helped. Um, it also helped that they were on the run the whole time and there was a rotating cast of strong supporting actors that they kept rolling out. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, like this is that, that's a prime example of this. And, you know, again, they, they paid tribute to Andy. They, they, he, Andy was at the end of every episode by saying, yes, you know, I'm Spartacus. And he was, it was a picture of him. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it, it's just one of those things that's super heartbreaking. Yeah, and and again, I will reiterate this, and I will I, I I will not back down from this. You are doing a disservice not only to the character, but to Chadwick Boseman as well by doing this. Yeah, you, the, what they did was a virtue signal. Why they look to Ryan Coogler, mm -hmm. who is paid to direct, right. not to make the decisions for the MCU. That. Yeah, I think there's an assumption that Ryan Coogler is going to be the only person to badly direct Black Panther movies. 
that just it, it just really frustrates so. me because this is such a you, you there's so much story left to tell with this character <laughs> they haven't even scratched the surface of the character yeah and to virtue signal because and again like i said they could you know in theory go back but they're too cowardly to go back on their word on what they if somebody said in, in internally this is not the right move they wouldn't they don't have the balls to go back and say well you know we thought about it we're gonna do this or that and again i know partially because they're filming the you know black panther right too right now right so well, I mean, no, it, it's, it's not black panther 2 is wakanda forever Whatever. Like I know, yeah. I'm serious. Like I, it, we should not. No, call I know it Black you. I know you too, because there's no Black Panther in there. This isn't. Movie. Yeah. You, you, so you're, you're all right. You're you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hell, they want to get rid of shirt, uh, uh, Letitia White because of right, her, yeah. her her Twitter account and in things that she yeah, she is, thinks she believes in. You yeah, know? and which which again, like I we said this earlier. I know I said like when, uh, what last year when they we were t- yeah. they were talking we were talking about what they could do. I said that it would be a mistake to cast her as the Black Panther. I don't yeah. care what the comic did. It would be a mistake because it would take away not only from Black Panther, mm-hmm. but it would take away from Shuri herself. Yep. And so. I want more, I want to see more of her as Shuri, not as the Black Panther. And when she's Shuri in the comics, Black Panther Shala's still around. Yeah. So. Anyway, all right, so the other Black Panther news is that Michael B. Jordan is, I don't know what's going on with this guy. I, 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 I've, I've, I've been high on this guy since The Wire when, when he stole scenes as Wallace. Um, and, like, sorry, Jason Street and, and, and Matty. Um, he's the best quarterback on Friday Night Lights. But <laughs> uh, Matty Saracen. Uh, but he he's a uh, whatever the JD whatever that little douchebag, um, <laughs> but it says Black Panther actor Michael B Jordan explains why he believes Killmonger is not a villain despite the character's detailing plans for mass murder. Um, he believes that Eric Killmonger is not a villain, and his comments to Taylor Rook from the Bleacher Report. Uh, yeah, I. <sighs> He said, after Black Panther came out, I swear I had this debate for three months. Obviously, there's no definitive answer. Opinion is opinion. But Killmonger, a villain? Um, and Jordan Blunt replies, no. When asked to elaborate, he explains, uh, he was a necessary part of the conversation. He cared about his people just as much as T'Challa. False. He just had a different way of going about getting it done. He was a historian that had studied history, you know, a history of the government and oppression. And Eric is a really smart guy. You know what I'm saying? MIT graduate. The guy is like very intelligent. Um, and he continues, but I-, I wanted to stop there. So if he was so government oppressed, how did he go to MIT? How did he, you know, become a badass like military weapon? Because that that's not something that they, that oppressed people typically do, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like this he, is hilarious. Like it, he's a historian. He studied history, the history of the government and oppression, which makes it worse. It, yeah. If that's the case, why did he go work for the government? And if he, if he cared so much about Wakanda, why did he plot to kill T'Challa and go back and, years later? Like, why didn't he make yeah. his way there when he found out about it? Cause he knew where it was. Yeah. And let's not forget this. Because a lot of people would say, you know, he wants to, you know, lift up the people that are being oppressed. Okay. 
you know what that the, the idea of that on on its face is fine the problem comes in in several fold one is that he wants to do it by violence and blood yep and he doesn't give a rip about how many innocent people you know how many millions of innocent people women and children of your of the people that are oppressed that you're trying to lift up would die i don't yep. mean the people you look at as enemies because of the color of their skin number 2 he also said he would kill anyone who got in his mm-hmm. way and that include included other wakandans yeah so how in the world is he a good guy when the fact is he's looking at some the pre, the quote unquote impre, oppressors and he wants to get rid of all of them doesn't care how many of his people die because of this uh whatever he you know this up uprising that he's going to you know help facilitate mm-hmm. how, how is that how is that a good guy how is know. how is he not a villain well i mean even in this... i would argue oh yeah i was going to say i would argue that he is much more of a villain than thanos because thanos as crazy as he is and we agree he's thanos is batshit what did thanos say uh uh what he did it was balanced and uh no no favorites right. it was completely random um, that was and, his idea and we do not agree that thanos was batshit crazy yeah he's batshit crazy no no but thanos, he, he was, was right, right. Too. <laughs> yeah uh, it says it on the mug so, so you can't argue with that <laughs> I, I almost bought that um <laughs> anyway so so he also continues um arguing from killmonger's point of view but you know, it's a movie also. I'm willing to take a life. You know what I'm saying? To do whatever it takes, you know, and this is what I've been taught. This is what I've shown that works. So you cannot like it, or so you cannot like it, but there is no other version of trying to get change done. And it's kind of taking a little too long for me. I ain't got that time, you know, and I, yeah, I guess, but I'm doing it like this, he concluded. Does he think he's Killmonger? No, no, he the, no, in no, that no. regard. I, I, I listened, yeah. so I listened to to it, right? Yeah, like I'm, yeah, I'm, I did too. So because I'm, I'm, which it was tough yeah. to get through, dude. It, like he is like normally so well spoken, and he yeah, was, he is, and I was very so. surprised, and that, like you know, I mean, yeah. he's he is he's been such an impressive young man, and to come and take, like, God, I sounded super old there, didn't I? <laughs> This young whimpersnapper. Um, but no, I, I, I just think this is a really bad take. I think this is a guy who who has been doing and saying like, all the right things to, to elevate himself and to be, you know, the guy for whatever comes next um, in a bunch of different things. But... I, I just I, I'm not I'm not on board with this. It, it doesn't affect like I still watch Creed the other night because um, I watched the Rocky Sylvester Sloan cut of Rocky four. But uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it, this is just disappointing. And again, this is where modern story storytellers do not understand the hero's journey. They don't know what a hero is. And it's because like, again, there there's a side of the political aisle that does not have a moral compass for good. They only have a moral compass for destruction. And the other side of the aisle has a moral compass for virtue. That is not virtue in a good way. It's the virtue that they see that they want to put on everybody as well. So I'm right. not saying anybody is right in this situation. I'm saying everyone is wrong 
because we do not have heroes anymore. We have anti-heroes and we have villains. And Captain America, at the end of the day, turned into a, like, not a hero because he went back in time and still didn't help anybody. Yeah. I, I, I'm just so, like, this is why, I mean, like, I, this is recent that I've come to this conclusion, but the MCU ended at Infinity War. Thanos won, went off, did his thing, took care of the rest of the galaxy, making sure, you know, the Avengers didn't muck things up too bad. And then everything in Endgame and from there is fan fiction. Yeah, I... It's it's like when people say, and, and I'm so sick and tired of hearing this, when, when people talk about Superman. Mm-hmm. And what do they say about Superman? Superman's boring. No, you know what that is? It's people that don't know how to write Superman. People that don't have the talent to write a compelling story about Superman. You know it's a compelling story about Superman? Superman and Lois. Because mm-hmm. they write Superman as a hero, but they also show his struggles, not being necessarily a hero, but, you know, that double side, dual life of Clark Kent and Superman, it can be done. They did a great job with Captain America until, you know, I, and, and that point, what you're saying is it, it is true. It, it, that's not something I could see Steve Rogers doing is just laying low for what, 80 40, years? Yeah. Not doing long it was. Yeah. Like there, there's, there's a lot of like, when did he. When did he, you know, go back to Peggy? Like, yeah. was it the 70s? <laughs> was it, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Was it the 40s? Because, you know, anyway, I, I'm assuming he went back to an age-appropriate time where, you know, <laughs> he still enjoyed her. Um, <laughs> I'm I just like, I don't know. I just think all of this Black Panther stuff is is sad. It really makes me sad because it's a character that they scratch the surface with. It's a character that is vitally important to Marvel storytelling. And when you have people saying like, oh, this is the definitive version of the character. I think Christopher Priest has something to say about that. Again, you're talking about people who don't read source material. Yeah. So, So, I mean, it's and again, when somebody at studio heads say stuff like that, I it's in work for me. It's in one ear and out the other because yeah. I know they're just talking to talk and to talking to their, you know, those people who the Twitterites, I'll call them, uh, where Twitter is their religion, people like that. Um, they, they don't re- it be- because again, a lot of the people they're talking to don't go see the movies. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's move on. So, to, to speaking of things where let's people on other things. don't, don't yeah. see the movies uh, or read the comics. Kick-Ass <laughs> is getting rebooted. Uh, in two years, according to director Matthew Vaughn, says a big insane reboot is coming in two years. Uh, if you don't know, they rebooted Kick-Ass in the comics. Dave died. Uh, spoiler. Uh, if you read the comics. Good uh, job, man. It was in Kick-Ass 3. Nobody read it anyway. Um, (laughs) but... Uh, and he was replaced with a black woman who became kick-ass, who hit girl, drove out to Arizona to try and kill. Um, I, I didn't get that far in that yet. Uh, don't bother. It's all bad. Yeah, I, just, I mean, none of it is good. 
So like, I read it, the it first. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's a reboot. Like it could have been a reboot and it could have done really well because Dave died and you know. But so yeah. So I just real quick on that. Uh, patiently, uh, when I gave it a chance, I read the like first five or six issues, and despite them doing the tokenization of the kick-ass character, I thought where they were coming from at first with her was okay. It wasn't too bad. But what happened was what they ended up doing was just making her a generic, almost a generic vigilante right? in the sense of you had this, you actually did have a compelling story where you could have told with her, but it just, they just didn't get it done. And as middling as mid, mid as the comic m- was, m- the first m- five m- issues, mid, I, I, I will guarantee that the adaptation is going to be even worse. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not going to have any it, of the uh, the restraint that the comic had about you know, no. the the character yeah. and and what was happening there. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, it's just it's it's disappointing at best. It's uh, <laughs> criminal at worst, if you will. Uh, not really, but it's just, I mean, it's a stupid comic book. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, are they going to bring black back, bring, bring black, uh, bring back Chloe Grace Moretz to be hit girl. Is she, is she coming back as Mindy? Um, you know, I mean, patience Lee was a, is an interesting character cause she was a former, former military. So, I mean, she was yeah. actually like more qualified than Dave to be kicked. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But that's not not where they, they went. Um right. You know, because and that it, was my oh, disappointment. Yeah. So because other people the other thing is people wanted to see Kick Ass Three, the third series made into a movie. Um I don't count myself amongst one of them, but you know, I mean I, I loved I actually loved like the first Kick Ass comic is great. I loved Kick Ass Two. Yes, I loved it. I like I mean, Kick Ass Two. Yeah. I, I I'm quoted on the back of one of the issues. It's framed in this office. <laughs> um, it was a, uh, it was a good quote. It might be the best single sentence I've ever written. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, I mean that being said, it, it's just, I, I this is a this is a franchise that does not need to be rebooted. It's a franchise no. that doesn't really need to continue. Because um, if they do continue it, they're not going to do it necessarily in a way that I'm not saying is faithful to comics. It's even faithful to the characters. Yeah. So I don't know. It's uh, it's one of those things. So it, do you have anything else? No. It, it's like you said, I, it, they just should skip it and just... I mean, it's two years from now. Who knows what's going to happen, right? Yeah, we're going to be. Yeah, hopefully it'll get it'll get put on the chopping block. We'll be in COVID twenty twenty five. We'll be in COVID two thousand four hundred thirty seven, and people will be taking their nine thousandth shot, and or maybe we get invaded by the Chitari. One can hope. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, so Henry Ornstein, you you gotta you gotta lead this one because. Uh, I, I didn't even know about this until you sent it to me. Yeah. So the, the original article, and this is where I, I feel ashamed because Transformers was my jam as a kid. And 
when we cleaned out my parents' house uh, a few months ago to, I, I was in my old room and my sister was laughing at me because I was like a five-year-old when I found all like my transformer loot, some of the loot that was still there. But, uh, <laughs> so the original article is from Geek Tyrant and it says, the, and this is, it's not a right heading and some of the stuff they write. It says the creator of Transformers, Henry Orenstein, has passed away at 98 years old. Henry Orenstein was not the creator of Transformers. He was as uh, one of the uh, executives or CEOs of Hasbro said in 2016, he was the catalyst. He actually back in like, I think it was like, early, it was not, think, it was early 80s, maybe 1982. He was at a New York toy fair and picked up this car and it's like, what is this? And he did a little couple things and it transformed into a robot. So these were the diaclones dia from Takara. That's a Japanese company. And he knew the president of Takara. And what uh, Ornstein said is, hey, this thing, I think this could be a huge hit in the States. So he was that bond. He bonded because, again, he had worked with Hasbro for, you know, for 30 years. You know, but until then, he had his own company called Topper. Which and he made some of these dolls that you know kids would find in stores back in the fifties and sixties. He had over a hundred patents of different things, and so that's how Transformers came to be. He was the catalyst from Takara to Hasbro, and then again we can't forget about some of the great, you know, creative minds at Hasbro that created these stories of Optimus Prime, Bumblebee, Megatron, and all of those. But without him doing this, without him making that connection, Transformers would have never come to the States or never would have gotten because, again, Hasbro, you know, huge toy company is what made Transformers what it is today, 40 years later. Right. Um, and right. the other thing, this guy, this guy has a fascinating story. He grew up. He was a he is a Polish immigrant and he, him and his his three siblings actually were in nazi concentration camps their parents were murdered during the holocaust and like the like some of the things they went through and how they were able to get out and finally you know get to the states you know he, he mentions so i found this article from is a great article by abigail jones from newsweek from 2016 that talks is almost five years to the day about him and it says meet henry orenstein the man who changed how the world plays yeah and it talks about, you know, his some of his other things like the John. It was the Johnny Lightning toys back in the 50s that rivaled Hot Wheels. Um, the the dolls that he created that uh, that rivaled Barbie, which it was called. Uh, what was it? Uh, I can't. Oh, Betty, the beautiful bride dolls. And also now this is a great one. So if anybody that's listening watches poker on TV. The reason that you watch poker on TV and you can see people's cards, you know, that 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 glass top, the glass bottom top of the uh, table. He invented that back in the or in the mid 90s, the poker. And he's like, oh, they'll want this. They passed on. It wasn't until several years later that he got that. And then, you know, that's why, you know, the World Series of Poker you see on ESPN all the time. Yep. It's because of his invention of that, you know, that because he said. Who, would, who, want, who wants to watch poker when you can't see, you know, the strategies or anything? You can't see anybody's cards. What's the fun in that? And this, and this guy was also a great poker player as well. 
uh, told you before before we started recording, and I believe I think it was two it was a few years back. No, tw- 2012. He came in at, at I think he was 89, 90 years old. He came in ninth place out of 130 players in this Las Vegas Invitational Poker Tournament. Uh, he this guy, and again knew very little about him until I saw this article from Geek Tyrant. And then I had to go to another article that just laid out a lot of his accomplishments. Uh, again, like I mentioned, over 100 patents. He was He's the reason that Transformers and kids like me, oh, you, you play with Transformers too. It's just like, you oh, know, yeah. I don't think you love Transformers like I did. I, I liked, um, I, you know, honestly, like my favorite thing about Transformers was the, the 1985 movie, you know, like yes. I like the cartoon. The cartoon was great. I liked the cartoon. I watched it. I had a couple Transformers. I didn't have a ton. I didn't, you know. I mean, the only thing I had a lot of was, you know, Mask and Starcom. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I it just this guy was he did a lot of stuff. And like I said, the for me personally, the biggest thing he did was bridge that gap between Takara and Hasbro and make that partnership work to bring Transformers, uh, and as they said in the article, you know, Japanese ingenuity and American marketing. And it is, you know, again, we have, I will say too many Transformers movies, but we've had five, six Transformers movies that several of them have made over a billion dollars. Um, I That's think not all even counting the, one have made over a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, the last one absolutely didn't. The, uh, the Mark so, Wahlberg one? Yeah, the second one. I don't know if the first, if the first one did, but that was just a curious article. And, and again, like I said, reading his story, and I'll send you the link of that article from 2016 because yeah. that is a fascinating read. And there's just so much about his, his story that doesn't deal with Transformers and doesn't deal with some of the geek stuff yeah. that I think a lot of people would find interesting. So if you get a chance, you know, it, it'll be in the show notes. Check out that article again. It's five years old, but it tells yeah. a lot of the stuff he went through and some of the th- the accomplishments he did and how he just kept going. He was always thinking and little you know, people like that little ideas, you know, spark a big or little things spark big ideas in people like him. And yeah, you know, there was a couple instances where he said, "I just saw this and it made me think about this." And so, a uh, very fascinating individual. Yeah. And I am thankful for again. He didn't create Transformers. They're you know the inventor of the Transformers. So you know, and they, and again, this was in the, that documentary, the Toys That Made Us. Right. There was a Transformers episode, which was great. Uh, so I had the names: this Kojin on, Ono, Takashi Matsuda, Hideki Yoki, Hiroyuki Obara, and Satoshi Koizumi. And those are the ones that are kind of the guys that are you know, put in as the creators of the Transformers. Or like I said, in t- for Takara, they were the Diaclone and they were the micro yeah. something as well. So, but he without Ornstein, we wouldn't have, we most likely would never have known about Transformers. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, I looked it up real quick. So Transformers, the movie made uh, 5.8 million worldwide at the box office. Um, all of that was domestic as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so and it opened a, a little over 1.777 million. Um, Transformers made 708 worldwide. Um, 
It did 319 at home. Revenge of the Fallen made 836, 402 at home, um, 836 million. Uh, Dark of the Moon did 1.123 billion with 352 at home, so that performed better overseas. Um, we're going to see a trend here. <laughs> um, Age of Extinction <laughs> did 1.104 billion, uh, 245 at home. And then the last night did 602 uh, worldwide, 130 at home, with then BumbleDB doing a total of 465 worldwide, 127 at home. And Bumblebee is probably the best movie out of that lot. I would say yes. So And probably the smallest budget, too. Uh, yeah, and it got hurt the most by The Last Night. So. Yeah. But, I mean, The Last Night lost more than double or I still haven't double. watched that movie. Uh um, I still haven't watched that. That's the that's the wait, was Mark Wahlberg in two of them? Yes, he was in the uh yeah, Age of Oh, that was the one. Anthony Hopkins was in the last night, wasn't he? Yes. You haven't watched it, but yeah, anyway. So yeah. Uh yeah, I mean it's sad, man. I mean anytime like somebody's a creator like that and they they pass away, it's sad, but um you know, he 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 we're lucky that he he brought us Transformers. Mm-hmm. And poker fans are lucky as well. True. Sure. Yeah. You wouldn't have the World Series of Poker. Truth. So. At least on TV, I should say. Put it that way. All right. Hawkeye. Let's do it. Yeah. Penultimate Hawkeye. <laughs> uh, this episode was called Ronin. It had the best cold open of any MCU TV show. Um, Loved it. It was... Uh, you, you had... Um, What's her name? Yelena. 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 Yelena Beloff. Um, and another black widow named Sonya. Subdue a woman named Annie who they thought was a, who they were trying to help deprogram, but she was already deprogrammed and living as a high, high, high dollar assassin. Um, that was a great scene. That was a great scene. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's like, you think I'm like, like I was married to a, like a yeah. pervert, you know? And she was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it was, it was great. And and then, uh, we learned that Yelena was, uh, snapping away. So I, I love the way they showed that. Well, because I, I didn't realize what happened at first because mm-hmm. I just was kind of, I wasn't paying full attention when I was watching it. Um, but yeah, the fact that she exploded out and then came right back together like she dusted and then undusted and then the whole room around her changed it was so cool yeah Yeah, because remember when we got monica rambeau that happened to her she was sleeping so this was the first time we got someone come back who was conscious and 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 actually see it on screen yeah i mean i know we know all the avengers heroes came back but we never saw them actually be being reconstituted and saying i was just gone a second that yeah, was i've been gone and, for five and, yeah, seconds the, <laughs> yeah and the graphics of that of her doing that just like you said exploding out and then reconstituting and then her seeing everything change that was great yeah yeah it was it was like i and, and plus i mean florence Pugh maybe well the best thing to happen to fate is let me refer. Ugh. 
is one of the best things to happen to Phase Four. Because I think yes. you got to put Haley Steinfeld up there, and you got to put One Division yes. up there. Uh, everything mm-hmm. else, like I said, is fanfic. Uh, <laughs> well, who knows? Spider Man might be pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, you'll know on Sunday, and I'll know tomorrow. So, um, actually, you'll you'll know tomorrow too. <laughs> Don't make me destroy you. <laughs> That's my real laugh. <laughs> hey, you sounded like Hedy Lamar or, or Hedley Lamar with yeah. that laugh. I was waiting for you to, to choke on a cough drop or something no. or a lozenge. You know, I, 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 I've, uh, I've perfected my Joker cackle. Which one? The like the high pitched like, you know, Batman, oh, okay. Batman Beyond Return of the Joker laugh. Oh, okay. It is, uh, yeah. It's fun, but it hurts my throat to do it. <laughs> uh, and like, I want to keep talking, but no, this was great. Um, you had, you had all sorts of cool Clint reveals. Um, I do not believe that his wife, whose name just literally fell out of my head, um, I'm having that happen a lot today. Um, Laura, Laura, thank you. She's not Bobby. She's not. She's not Mockingbird. I'm. I'm gonna I, guarantee I, I, that. Okay, I, I again. She again, and one of the things I said is that she's either. Well, I didn't say she's either. I said she could be that, but I think she has a history because I, I truly believe that. Even though what you did say, and it, it's it's further, uh, kind of emphasized here is their partnership. So there is that that possibility where. They're they're playing tricks with language because one of the things she says in this episode is uh, I, I and I don't remember exactly how she said it but it's like I'm more than anyone know yeah or I as much as anyone know uh, right. X Y and Z like what he's going through yeah so one regardless of what she is I love their partnership yes I absolutely love it and, and, I, and I truly want to see more of Linda Carnell yes. is great yeah so did you ever watch Daddy's Home those movies. With I think uh, I watched Will Ferrell and Marky Mark. Yes, yes, yes. And so, Mel Gibson was the father in the second one, wasn't uh, it? Yeah, Mel Gibson and John uh, Lithgow. <laughs> John. Um, and then yeah. John Cena <laughs> is the ex of Mark Wahlberg's yeah. second one. Yeah, those are funny. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I didn't uh, like those. She's great. She's great in those movies. But, I mean, I've I've been a fan of hers since um, Freaks and Geeks. So, um, you know, just getting my, my hipster cred out there. But yeah, <laughs> so no, I mean, this, this was really good. Uh, everything about Kate was good in this episode. Everything about Kate, the scene with her and Elena in her apartment, the whole macaroni and cheese thing. Um, I it's loved delicious. when, what? Yeah, delicious. It's delicious. Um, I loved when she's like, uh, when Elena's like, this is my first time in New York. What? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> that is, that was actually the most terrifying thing you could ever see an assassin do. <laughs> yeah. is try to act like a normal person. Um, oh, yeah, because it, it just it felt, it just felt so wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you understand the trauma of what she's dealing with with, um, with Natasha being gone. And plus and, then we now know where this happens, where this series happens in response to Virtue Signal and the Winner and the Neutered Soldier. Mm-hmm. because it is 
almost immediately after. Which I yeah. think is pretty poor taste that they have a uh, they have a musical about Steve Rogers so soon after he he died and um you know uh, Walker was the um, not Walker is that right no yeah uh yeah. john walker john walker yeah. Or talk, yeah is uh is the new captain america i mean that's just disrespectful right there um and then you have another new captain america already so <laughs> it's yeah, so, uh i mean this is probably just yeah, a couple it, months later but let's be like i said people take take uh, how many times have we seen people take advantage of tragedy and make a buck um, so I, that, that's every every single day of human existence. <laughs> like let's yeah. let's not mince words about it. People are horrible. Oh, you're absolutely yeah. So 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 getting getting back to like kind of reiterating what you said. I loved everything about uh, Kate as well. It was interesting because she was absolutely had that face of defeat when she first comes home, mm-hmm. and she's just kind of like giving it up until she runs into Elena. And then she's like, I can't give up because, right. well, obviously, this woman's come to kill Clint. And well, I, you know, th- I have there's to a, there's let a him know that. great line in there where Eleanor says, does Clinton Barton think you're a superhero? And she said, no, I did. Oh, man, that was, yeah. And it was like, that was the humility that the character needed to grow. This is where they, this, okay, Kate Bishop and Ray. This this was the moment Ray needed in the Force Awakens. Yes, to really turn the corner, and have people be like, "Frack yeah, I'm 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 behind her. Um, I got I got I got I got this girl. Like I'm 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 firmly in Ray, last name redacted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, Jedi training because because Daisy really has that same type of charisma. Yes. It's just the decisions they made to where they move her character, because again, a lot of people complained about her fighting. I don't care about the fighting. It was the whole force thing. And we talked about this before, but they, I will say I'm loving what they've done with this character, Kate Bishop. They've so far, they're hitting all the right notes where not just Haley Steinfeld being just so freaking lovable and, Mm -hmm. you know, just, adorable but also the beats of the character the writing itself because someone can be charismatic and we've seen this a lot where if if you look at it's like this character is not a greatly written character but the actor is so good that i like this right this is that combination of two things of of the great writing and the actor being just so able so charismatic and those two things married together to create a fascinating character and it's something that phase four desperately needs desperately yep yeah no it's you're you're 100 spot on um i like i said i'm really sad that there's only one episode left i want i want two more um especially with the reveal of kingpin at the end i don't care if you haven't seen this yet um i'm not not talking about this um, yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio is an amazing kingpin. He's he captures all of the terrifying aspects that kingpins supposed to have, and then 
plays up the vulnerability of Kingpin in many, many, many of the Daredevil stories. Um, yeah. And, and sorry. And he, this is a, a great way they do that with him acting and writing is they make the Kingpin. They never let you forget that he's a villain. Mm-mm. What they do is sometimes you drop, you lower your guard when he becomes vulnerable and then he does something to remind you who, what he really is. Right. And I love that. And it was it just, I just love how, you know, it was like when Clint was talking to Laura, he mentioned the big guy. Right. And again, the Kingpin, he was already in this. Right. A couple episodes ago. I mean, I don't think it was D'Onofrio's hand, but it was absolutely his voice. Yeah. Or laugh or something. And, and, I, and again, from watching Daredevil, I knew it right away. Right. And and that was I you know I knew the rumors but I didn't that was like after that fact that but I knew a little bit about Echo slash Maya as well from the comics mm-hmm. and her relation with Kingpin and and all that which I will say this as well in this episode I'm kind of warming up well not just this episode but after the you know that second episode I was not a fan of this character uh, of Maya slash Echo. I like what they've done with her in the past couple episodes. Uh, I still don't know if I still don't think she's strong enough to make a compelling series, but as a, a supporting character, I'm a little bit more interested in her journey, much more interested, I should say, than I was. Yeah. This was her in face. Episode turn, two. You know? <laughs> yes. So, yeah. uh, I still don't know how I feel about her being like a good guy after all the people she's ruthlessly murdered, but you know, that's yeah. and again, that's, yeah, Showing the whole thing where the assassins are the good guys, the good guys so, are on the sidelines, you know. Um, but I will say this: she's going to have to come. They're going to have to do something in 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 the sense of her seeing what she's done, seeing that because she calls Clint a monster. Clint was a monster. Yeah, he was a monster as as Ronan. Yeah. But you know what he was doing? He was killing monsters. At the he wasn't just of kingpin. Yeah, he wasn't just going about, you know, oh, this guy jaywalked. Let me chop off his head. Yeah. Oh, this guy threw some trash. No, he was killing people right. that were killing people. Um, he was basically Dexter De- for I was, the I underworld. I was about to say, Dexter is still a monster. Actually, Dexter is worse than a monster because he he revels in what he's doing. Um, But yeah, no, it, it's, it's just one of those things that um, it was good. We got Grizz back. Um, uh, yeah, teaching pizza dog how to dance and then Kate couldn't get it yeah. done. Uh, was really funny. Um, but yeah. All right. So out of five silent threats, <laughs> what do you give this? I give it a, I give it a 4.25. It was just, I really liked pretty much everything about it. And I originally was going to give it a four, but then I remembered it had the perfect ending song. When after You're the kingpin reveal, one. play your mean one, Mr. Grinch, Mr. Grinch, and uh, that ending, yeah. at that ending, uh, like graphic where it shows Hawkeye and uh, Kate Bishop standing on rooftops, and then the outline is of kingpin. That was great. That was so well done. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. I'm four out of five. Um, it was great. It was you know. It was this was yeah. this was the best episode yet, um, and I I think uh, I, I 
I think I'm going to be wrong, but Hawkeye might survive. You know, I'm not. I, I, I will be extremely. I will say this. If he dies, and I'm, I'm using quotation marks in the sense of he fakes his death mm-hmm. and then him and his family go off somewhere, I'm fine with that. Okay, whatever. But if they truly kill him, I will be extremely displeased. Sure. Because not just because I like him as a character, I love what they've done showing more of even in their short conversations, they've done so much to show like that relationship between him and Laura. Mm -hmm. And I, I would love to see, even if it's just a can not a cameo, but like just a guest star appearance down the line in another one of these shows. I would yeah. love to see that. I mean, have him show up yeah. in a movie or, or something, or, you know, he gets all yeah. the Avengers together for a 30 year game of tag. Who knows? So, <laughs> all right, let's uh, get to the main, the main event of the evening fighting out of soul. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. It's funny because I was just, uh, <laughs> well, I told you what I was reading and, yep. I- What's going on with the soul gate here? The reigning. Defending. So. Rossi. Um, all right. So another short and sweet summary with an unexpected passenger aboard the Rosinante holding in the crew undertake a dangerous mission that could shift the balance of power in the war. Drummer decides to make an uneasy alliance. Philip wrestles with his douchebaggery. I mean, guilt. Um, so... You know, honestly, like the the only reason I can stomach Philip is because I know what happens in the book, <laughs> right? And, so. and again, it's 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 extremely just by from a standpoint of the series. Yeah, after what he did to Yo, well, I, I want to say after what he did to Yo, and considering that he is responsible, like greatly responsible for millions of deaths. But again, what do they say? You know, uh, one person's death is a, is a tragedy. You know, a lot of deaths is just a t- statistic or something along those lines. Right. When you put a face to something, it makes it more personal. And the fact that he, and again, because Yoan is not any much better. You know, he wants to kill Earthers too. Yeah. Or, you know, Ennis. Yeah, not even Earthers, Ennis yeah. as well. Ennis, Earthers. But shooting his friend like that, yeah and it it's you know talking about a face turn that's gonna be really tough to sell well i mean again like Which, i'm not spoiling anything we know we know what happened or what's supposed to yeah. happen to him and he has to have that um it just makes sense but uh it, it's like also like on the flip side with naomi you have the guilt that, like, you know, talking about someone who's dealing with wrestling with guilt, it's Naomi on the mission. She can't even jump out of the ship to to yeah. the other to the other ship, which is something, you know, to to Beltawala like her is uh, well, is second nature. Well, remember season five, she did that you know, above aboard, like above, yeah, above Illis, like trying to trying to save the doctor. Yeah, so oh, yeah. she's done that. Like she could do that in her sleep, but after but, what she went yeah. through, and I love how they handled it because the it tunnel, was just what the tunnel vision it, effect. 
was per yeah. was the perfect, just the perfect like visual of that. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah, to step on done. your line. <laughs> oh no, you're, you're no, you're right. And again, one of the other things you were talking, like just the visuals of and some of the similar like the camera shots that they choose, not just from a like because again, I was going to mention that battle with the Azor dragon. When you mentioned the spatial, you know, the distancing that they use with with that and everything. But it's not just that. It's those character moments, too, that they use. They Mm -hmm. use that with Naomi. They use that with her last season. And they use it here. You know, just that. And remember when Bobby went to save her last season in that finale? Mm -hmm. And she's just, like, tumbling around in space. And you get everything from her perspective. It's her POV, which is exactly what we got in the book. Um, Right. And or let me rephrase that, exactly what we did get in the book, um, to a point. But I, again, I w- this is where we need Alex to yeah. lighten things up a little bit, or they should have brought that other pilot from the book in, you know, yeah. instead of having to be bull. Um, but you know, that's neither here nor there, because uh, Holden's a pretty badass pilot, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he um, was in the. Well, yeah, I maybe. Mean, yeah, and he's so. he's been in space for for a long time, um, but no, the the whole thing, um, and then well, I I want to talk about the strange dog thing last, um, just be because okay. I I I just do, uh, but when they're they're docked for the resupply, the guy um is like, wow, I'm helping real life privateers. Um, <laughs> I I thought that was <laughs> like. It made me wonder how many of like the East India trading trading company, um, like members when when they were privateers going around, or where the privateers were fighting the East Indian Asian in the, you know what I'm talking about, um, you know the thing. Come on, man. <laughs> you know the thing. <laughs> you know the thing. No, the East India Trading Company. Um, when the privateers were out there and they were getting help from like the citizenry and, and you know, whatnot around the Caribbean and the Bahamas and up into like the keys, um, how many, how many, um, dissidents helped them and, and were happy about it. You know, I, I thought, I thought that was really great. Um, it was, it was just a nice change of like, anytime you go to a port, it's just horrible. <laughs> that we've had with this show. It was, it was the first time anyone said anything nice to anybody at a port, like hatch leaving or going. Um, but no, I, that, that was really good. And then finding out that Bobby's coming on board. Well, not Bobby, just that a, a mission specialist is coming on board and horns like holds like we didn't request new crew. And the guy's like, it, no, this comes from up top. This is from the old lady. Um, and, and, you know, hold immediately calls clarissa and he calls her peaches and i thought that i was, love that I, I i i talked that to, you, uh, to i talked that talked to you about that this morning about how in the book he doesn't do that um and it's not a miss in the book because this holden is is he's a little different plus we don't have his mm-hmm. inner monologue so um right so he's like peaches go to your quarters stay there until i let you know um was a really important moment and then at the endish of the episode, when he goes and gives her, honestly, the most polite chewing out of ass <laughs> that has ever happened. Yeah. And, and, you know, and he's, you know, he calls her peaches again. Um, 
It was great. And then Amos emphasizes it by calling her Clarissa, which I thought was really a nice, like, emphasis, um, you know, the emphasis, if you will, of of what happened in that moment because he he tells her, he goes, you know, you just got chewed out. And uh, she goes, I know, but he said I'm part of the crew. And it's like, yeah, fuck yeah, I did. And like she gets teary eyed. Yeah, I love that. So I I thought I I thought that was great. Yeah. And and again, Clarissa saved Bobby at Bobby's ass uh, when not only when Naomi, you know, freezes up from that, you know, Mm -hmm. that just the 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 issue, what she went through trying to get to Holden and almost dying in space alone, just on the float. But, yeah, so Clarissa jumps in there. And that's what Holden was chewing her out about. But by doing that, she also saves Bobby when, you know, it's because, again, the plan gets messed up from a timing perspective because Namu can't make that jump. So, mm-hmm. you know, some of those uh, Azure Dragon, you know, pi- or not pirates, but Free Navy uh, peeps can are able to get out. And, you know, that I don't even know what type of gun that was. Or was it a rocket? It was that... a rocket. She fired a rocket. Okay. <laughs> but she did the <laughs> whole, like... Uh, turning her superpower on thing the the yeah. little um the pump in her mouth that that gives her the the steroid or whatever it is and uh she totally forgot that from her time in the prison that that doesn't work anymore um so it was it was just like a, it was a nice reminder of that um and then it was really gross to see the vomit in the helmet uh, and and Bobby yeah, had to get her not- back to the Rossi like so I think people may not understand like why Bobby had to leave that. She had to get her back to the yeah. Rossi because Clarissa was going to drown. She was she would yeah, have died. Absolutely, because she would. These these suits do not have the ability to to flush that Filter out. out. Yeah, yeah, right. So um, it was it was it was just a great like you know how I was kind of complaining a little bit last week about the the dinging of the the sound in space. Like you know here here yeah. they redeem us. And uh, I told you the first thing I told you is. This episode gave us everything we asked for last week and yeah, it did. surprised us and did, or me at least, um, exceeded all of my expectations. Yeah. And I, I think, I think I told you this, that, you know, last week I said, I love, I love the episode last week and I was still a little bit iffy on how this was show was going to finish. I, I still didn't want to kind of not, I don't want to say back it, but I was still unsure, uncertain had a little bit of jitters about where we were going to be going and if things were going to happen too fast or whatnot. After this episode, I, I have the utmost confidence that this is going to be this season, this series is go- or this series till now is going to end on a very high note in the sense of yeah. pro- quality, I yep. should say. Yeah. So, um, all right. And then we had the whole thing with drummer handing off uh, Michio. Uh, I, it was fine. It was, it was, um, I told you, I, I think this last season is going to suffer. Um, the, or if it's going to suffer, it's going to be because of dr- of the need to follow through on the drummer story that they've set up. Um, because the character who drummer is was named Michio Pau in the book, and she was on Medina right. Station, um, which they had the Free Navy just take over. Um, and then she became the leader of the trade union. Um, 
which we're probably not going to even get to, which is fine. That that's not a big deal. Yeah. But they have her going around and like fighting her own private battle instead of working with Avasarala. Um, right. And it just ta- it takes away. There were there there's st- other story that could have been told, to be a hundred percent honest. But um, it does not change the fact that that what Kara G does is is great and amazing and she's brought to life this character who is an amalgam of of multiple characters from the book really and has made it something super special um but i just that that's the only the only issue i have is is that 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 under that what sub story subplot it's not really going anywhere and in the places no, it can not. go are the battles that Jim and Naomi have to fight. Yeah. I mean, I just, and again, because I love Kara G so much, some of the lack of her storyline kind of gets sometimes forgotten because she's such a presence on the screen. And I did like the new guy because he, Liang Walker, because he has a very Ashford-like quality to it. It's like Marco's afraid of me. I intimidate him. I intimidate him sexually. (laughs) Like what? But yeah, you're right in the sense of it. It doesn't. When you're looking at uh, the Expanse or or a series like the Expanse, what you have to look at because you're going to have all these A, B, and subplot stories. When you have a series that is ending, a season where it's you only have six episodes, at most they're going to be an hour piece, and most likely not that, considering what these first two episodes were, as far as time-wise, you kind of have to balance what you give the audience. Now, I, I'm not saying you you completely just dismiss drama because that would be bad writing too. It's just I I think they could have done a better job of bringing her into the fold into some of these other stories like with Alva Zarala, yeah. like you said, I, I think instead her, of having her out on her own. I think her working with one of two things would have been more interesting. Her working with Alva Zarala and coordinating, um, you know, pirate attacks essentially on behalf of Alva Zarala, like right under yeah. the books or <laughs> being with the free Navy and doing what she did and subverting the free navy from within. Yeah. What Powell did. Um anyway, but we uh we got some good Avasarala scenes with Monica. Um <laughs> Monica Monica had the what um they their their sphincters Titan three, <laughs> three whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um was a great line. But but yeah, it's it's there was that, just all of that. Um and then do you have anything else about the the main part of the episode? Uh no. I mean I just like I think we've talked about everything. I just I also do wanna like you know, add a point with Monica. She's one of those I really like her mm-hmm. in the sense of not being afraid to, you know, stand up. And it was just interesting where Avazarala wants her to put a human face on the casualties of the war. And again, like I mm-hmm. said, with uh, like I said earlier, you know, with Philip, you know, he's killed millions. 
that's a statistic as horrible as it is. It's more horrible than killing one person, even if that person's your friend. But the fact that we saw him kill Yoan, yeah, there's something about that personal nature of that. And that's what Avazarala wants her to do. Mm. And Monica, to re- she's like, I don't want you to lie. I just right. want you to report the human stories, right. putting a face to you know, the Belter's enemies and seeing that some of these people didn't do anything. You're, yeah. Or not some of these. Mil- many of these people had nothing to do with your oppression and you're killing them and their children and their wives and whatever. Right. They're people like you. And I thought that was, again, that's totally an Avazarala thing as far as, you know, thinking ahead. That's why I liked your idea about her. If, um, if a uh, drummer was working with her, you know, on that pirate perspective, well, under the, off the books. So or where, something along where those lines. all, well, so where all of that, where, what, Avasarala was saying, right? If you remember in the book, because I know I've read a little more recently than you. Um, and it's not like a flex or anything; it's just true. No, you have. I mean, it, it's um, it's true. <laughs> but they were on Medina Station, and Monica was going around at the direction of Holden to interview these people oh, and to get their stories. Yes, because yes. if you remember, it was Holden and Monica who solved the problem of, of ships going Dutchman. And um, really, really pointed out what was going on there. And, and it was all because of that. And through that, Holden and Monica formed a really great, just like, um, I want to say fraternal, like brother and sister, like, you know, bond, mm-hmm. um, familial bond. And yeah. um, worked together to save. They're the two who actually kept the Innas and the, uh, the Belters from from tearing each other apart, free of Marco and what led eventually to the defeat of of the Free Navy. Yeah. So and I'm yeah. And it then we got a little bit of that today or in this episode where Holden asks Bobby, you know, have you ever heard about any ships missing? And he shows show, you know, you see that photo of the Barkeith going Dutchman. So I'm wondering if he's gonna do any coordination because again, remember Monica was the one that pointed out that, hey, you know, in that in that firefight they were in, there was a missile that was unaccounted for. She was the one that pointed that out. Right. And they're like, well, maybe that's where the proto-molecule was. That's how they got got it out of there. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, I, I did forget about that. It's like one of those things, once you kind of jog my memory, I, I do remember that. So I don't know if they're going to, how they're going to do because they're far away, I don't know if they're going to, they probably won't coordinate, but four episodes left. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ground to cover. I, but I, again, after these two episodes, I do have faith that they're going to, they'll, they're going to take it into the end zone with it. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to fumble it at the two yard line. Like I was worried about. Yeah, I, I agree. A hundred percent. Um, all right. So the, the strain, the stingers, the opening stingers, which they're doing exactly what I want them to do with that. Right. It's, it's before everything. And then we get the, uh, the opening credits. Um, so Kara, um, gets back with, with mama bird, the sunbird, um, which by the way, I (laughs) reread, um, strange dogs in between, um, Friday, like you know, last time we recorded, and and today, and uh, 
So in the in the book, she was just feeding them bread. She was like just tossing bread out because she saw it in a hollow from her family back in Paris, um, which was the like most innocent thing ever. And and she was innocent here too. She fed Mama Bird a power bar, um, or not power bar, protein bar, and um, they didn't go deep enough into about how the Laconian landscape actually is bad for humans, like the the tree of yeah. life of Laconia. Um, as I refer to it in the novella, is really bad for hu- humans. Like they have to, they have to actually condition the soil to grow food that humans can eat. Um, I the other thing was, um, and I understand why they're not doing it because of budget. There's five of the dogs, not just one. Um, but when when she steals the drone and she goes to bury Mama Bird and and help get the babies up into the nest. Um, that's right out of the book. Um, and unfortunately she like crashed the drone right away in the book, in the novella. She's, she gets down the last bird before she crashes it. But I, I thought it was really interesting the way the dog and just cause they never actually gave them names. They just still call them dogs, strange dogs, um, stole mama bird. It was like, yeah. it was like watching Toph, my, my golden doodle, uh, for, for people who, who haven't ever heard me talk about her. Um, when she steals like one of the kids scrunchers or, uh, or one of her stuffed animals or a sock, she's very, very sneaky. And then she's gone. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. the, the, it was just, it was really cool to see. Um, I can't wait to, <laughs> I really can't wait for next Friday already, or actually Thursday as the case may be around six thirty actually, um, Eastern time. The episode was, live. was super early. Yeah. I loved it. I was like, I wonder, <laughs> I'm so happy I looked, um, but but yeah. So it was it was it's just great that we're they're doing it. We got to meet Zan. Um, we got a little foreshadowing of uh, of Kara running and almost getting hit by the car, uh, the cart. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yep. Of of what what's gonna happen? Um, maybe to Kara, maybe not. Um, down the line. But yeah, I I do I so what I'm here's what I'm hoping for is we're gonna get these stingers, and then at the end of the last episode we're gonna get the the little final like bit of the novella to send us off. Like so, yeah. what happens to the crew of the Rosi happens, and then the epilogue is the completion of the six stingers. Yeah, so that'd be great. And that, I think that's kind of, I think that's where this going, where this is going. So, uh, like again, I have I have the utmost faith in that they're going to get do this right. They're not going to be able to get everything, but I think they'll get the most poignant parts of to wrap this story up. Yeah, I agree. And 100%. to maybe oh, and, and to give that opening that you know crack that door. For the potential of maybe down the road, yeah, doing another series of yeah. movies, of another couple I, I, series I to finish series. out the trilogy. I th- whatever, I think you can finish out the yeah. f- the last six books in in a total of nine hour and a half episodes, um, depending on, yeah. on who wants to do it and the kind of budget, because it's going to need to be a little budget heavy because of what happens with Laconia. Right. Um, yes. All right. So out of five Martian MMC power suits, what do you give this? I give that a four and a half. I I, gave, I, I was low on the totem pole 
versus what you gave last week, but this was every bit as good as last week, but mm-hmm. in several respects better. And again, it 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 massaged my hesitation in going all in with this season. Yeah. And it said, you know, just just relax. We got this. Yep. So four and a half out of five. And nice. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with these last four episodes. Yeah. I did 4.75. Because uh, uh, I thought, I mean, I liked it better. Ha- what? Yeah, you're doing the quarter points. Oh, well, I, did, that for me. I, I did 4.5 <laughs> last week. So it's like, yeah, I'm not ready to go five. So, I mean, I might, I might go Meltzer and do like a six out of five at some point. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, this was great. I can't, I can't wait to see what happens. I obviously, I'm not watching the, the previews for the, for the next week's episode. Just, I didn't either. I'm so, I mean, I'm sure it's out there, but I'm, I'm just super excited to just walk into all of this with my book knowledge and, and see what they're going to do to exceed my expectations again. Yes. Agree. I think, I think that's a, a fair way of looking at it. I think it's uh like just kind of based on, on the trepidations we had on the trailer. It's the, the way to go in and make sure that I enjoy it most. And I just I love I love the series I love the books I love the show um, I like I was talking to a buddy who who he likes the show but he did not he doesn't like Steve Strait and I'm like what are you talking about like he is the he's the man on the show he's the, yeah like not only was he War and Peace and Sky High but like he's James fucking Holden <laughs> so uh, man I love I love that movie I'm a yeah I'm a, I'm a huge War and like, Peace Sky High stan <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I love that. Uh, all right, on that Danielle Pennebaker. Yeah, uh, no, it wasn't Danielle. It was the other her sister. There's two of them. Huh? The Danielle has a sister. I don't think it was she Danielle. Does? Yeah, uh, hold on. I'll no, it was, it was absolutely Danielle. But uh, I didn't know she had a sister. I'm pretty sure she has a sister. Um. Oh no, you're right. It was Danielle. But I thought she had a sister. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't. I mean, she might. I don't know. I mean. So you know how a lot of Hollywood people have siblings, and I'm like, yeah. what? So, man, so. she grew up to be quite the hottie, didn't she? Yes. Her younger sister is Kay Panabaker, who was in the TV series Summerland. Maybe oh, that's no. what okay. I know her from. I don't know. Um, but yeah. All right. Um, cool. Anything you want to add? Nope. So, um, look for our Spider-Man review probably Tuesday ish. Um, and maybe Wednesday. Actually, I'll probably put it. Hopefully, we can record on before Tuesday, but you know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Check out the Expanse. Go read the books. Yes, because reading the novella is fundamental. Well, the books. I mean, it's all. Actually, they're they're all on Audible now. They have made all of the novellas audiobooks. Oh, okay. So, um, so if you're dyslexic, yeah, like I me, have. Go, go get the audiobooks and enjoy yourself. All right. On that note, we will see you all next week. Have a good one. Peace out. The Infamous Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. 
This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Infamous Podcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamous podcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.